Yes, we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It's called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. John Wall doesn't need no introduction. It's an insider's look at the NBA and culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick of the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino. All right. What up? This is the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast coming live and direct. My name is Michael Rappaport. I'm in here with G Moody, whose last name rhymes with duty. Show. Uh, we are the champions. We're back where the fuck we're supposed to be. You are now listening to the number one podcast in the sports and recreation world. On iTunes, you are now rocking with the best. Have no fear, the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast is here on today's episode. Me and G Moody, last name rhymes with duty, interview the champ himself, Shannon the Cannon Briggs from Brownsville, Brooklyn, the Brownsville section of New York. Yeah, hometown. Former heavyweight champion, the man who talks and lives all that let's go champ shit. Me and G Moody are going to talk to him, talk about Brownsville, talk about uh, what it takes to be a champ, talk about the loneliness of being a champion and all sorts of champion shit, okay? Because this is championship podcasting. Miles Jordan, let me hear something funky. Me and G Moody, last name rhymes with duty, and then my main man from the Brownsville section of Brooklyn, Shannon the Cannon Briggs. Let's go. Yeah. All right, listen. Those are Moody beats. They're all Moody beats. We do everything in-house. We're talking shit today. 
Okay, we're talking shit today. Okay, because I woke up the other day to find us right where the fuck we should be. We don't play no games. We're not doing any shoots and ladders. <laughs> we're not doing any tricks of the trade. Subscribe, unsubscribe. Yeah, suck a shit like that. Come All on, that man. corny shit. This is grown man podcasting. Yeah. All right. Yeah, motherfuckers, motherfuckers, man. Tell it. Oh, subscribe and unsubscribe. Subscribe, so unsubscribe. Can... Leave a review. Roast us, yeah. and we might read it on the radio. Yo, you corny, Duke. Yeah, yeah. You're doing that shit on purpose. You're doing it on purpose to try and lower the grade, but the cream rises to the top. Rap. You are now listening to the world's best. It's a fact. We are the world's best 1.5 star rated podcast. In the world. In the fucking world. We're number one. And we scratch, we claw, we fight, we give it, we take it, we give it, we take it. 15 fucking rounds. The Jake LaMotta of podcasting. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm the Sugar Ray. <laughs> Sugar Ray Leonard of podcasting. Yes. Or Robinson. Take your fucking pick. Fucking Iran Barkley of podcasting. The great yeah, Iran Bronx. Barkley from the Boogie Down Bronx. Yeah, that's what I am. I'm the Iran Barkley, Mitchell Projects, Bronx, New York. I'll tell you something. We got the right guy to join us on the I Am Rapport Stereo podcast. Matter of fact, let's, let's get to it. Okay, let's get to it. Then me and you will come back and we'll do what we do. Okay, I was so hyped to talk to Shannon the Cannon Briggs. If you do not follow the champ, on Instagram, do it because he's talking about that championship life all the times he lives it, he breathes it. Yeah. Let's go, champ! Follow Cannon underscore Briggs. He's a motivational boxer, <laughs> a motivational boxer from the streets of Brownsville. We're going to talk to him yeah. about growing up in the same neighborhood at the same time with Mike Tyson and Riddick Bowe. All sorts of Brooklyn talk, all sorts of boxing talk, and of course, championship talk. And then me and G. Moody, whose last name rhymes with duty, are going to come back and close this puppy out. Shannon the Cannon Briggs, coming up now on the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast with me and G. Moody. Let's do this. Champ. Shannon, I got my man, my, my co-host, G. Moody, Gerald Moody. He's from 1560 East New York Avenue. He's from Brownsville. Yes, yes. I'm telling you, how you doing? I'm cooling, man. Everything good. All right, let's do it. All right. So we got the champ, Shannon the Cannon Briggs from Brownsville, Brooklyn. Yes. On the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. He's better known as the champ. Yo, <laughs> Shannon, it's an honor uh, and a pleasure for you to come rock with us on, on the podcast. we big fans, big fans. As I told you, you're from Brownsville. Uh, G. Moody's from Brownsville. Uh, yes. Where are you from, Shannon, in the Ville? I'm from Atlantic Tower. I was born and raised. Um, I lived there. I was born there. And then I moved down the hill to Marcus Garvey when I was five. And I lived in the Garvey till I was about 10. And I moved back to the, to the Towers. You know what I mean? Mm. Oh, yeah. I'm right down down the street, man. Rockaway Avenue, Howard Howard Project. Of course, my family lived in uh, Howard next to the um, 73rd Precinct when it was over there. Oh, that's the building I lived in. Oh, get out of here! Remember they used to have like the um the the lightness the the lighting store in the corner. Absolutely, that's been there. Yep, Liberty. 
I used to catch the bus there every morning to go to school and shit. Yeah. The six, the 12 and the 60. <laughs> That's right. That's right. The 12 and the 60. Let's go, champ. <laughs> so, Shannon, what is it about Brownsville? I mean, aside from you, Mike Tyson, Riddick Bowe, all the basketball players, Jimmy Smiths, what, what, what is it about Brownsville that has – it's such a small place in Brooklyn, and, and I call it uh, – I refer to it as it's, – it's the forgotten Brooklyn. It's the ungentrifiable part of Brooklyn. No one talks about it. They talk about, right. you know, all the, the, the new neighborhoods and all that stuff. But Brownsville, you know, unfortunately, a lot I don't think can change out there, and, and you know it as well as Moody knows it. Uh, you know, this it, it's the have-nots. What is it about this neighborhood – that you know, obviously, there's a lot of pain out there, but a lot of great people that have a lot of done, done a lot of great things have come out of there. Well, you know, Mike, if you look back, I mean, from its origins, Brownsville has always been the ghetto. I mean, dating back, you know, to the early days, to, to its beginning. I mean, to its beginning, it was always the ghetto. It was always the ghetto part of New York and Brooklyn, of you know the whole New York City. So it's never changed. Um, as far as you know, there there is talks of you know seeing Asian people and. And Caucasian people walking dogs two in the morning now. So I will say some parts have changed, but um, it's just a rough neighborhood, man. And you know, from from roughness and from rough, rough upbringing builds character. And you know, there's a lot more people, believe it or not, that um, to come out of Brownsville, but there's very little opportunity. And I want to say this to say that um, you know, I'm from Brownsville. Mike Tyson's from Brownsville, and Rick Bowles from Brownsville. Let alone the other. Great fighters from Brownsville, mm-hmm. uh, Eddie Mustafa Muhammad, uh, Danny Jacobs, so many different fighters, right? I can go mm-hmm. on and on. But one thing is, um, we don't even have a gym in Brownsville, champ. Mm-hmm. Imagine if we had a gym. I agree. I agree. I mean, and, and you know, the, like the BRC is a place, it's a small little place, the Brownsville Recreation Center. You know right. uh, that 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 you know stays going forward, but I mean it's like I said, I, I I feel like more attention and more New Yorkers need to sort of you know give Brownsville the attention that it needs, and and there's so many kids out there, and there's so much struggle out there, and I just you know the time that I spent out there with with my my co-host here Moody, and I was exposed to it, I just it it, it meant a lot to me, and I have just a, a such a respect. Nah, I, I got and I gotta tell you, Mike, we love you in Brownsville, man. I gotta tell my boys. We love you in Brownsville. You're a Brownsville brother to us, champ. <laughs> so you're from Brownsville. Tyson's from Brownsville. Riddick Bowe's from Brownsville. You guys are all in the same age bracket. Yes. Did you know Mike Tyson or Riddick growing up? And tell me some stories of what you knew, what you heard about those guys. Well, actually, Riddick Bowe lived upstairs for me in uh, in Plaza, which is called, uh, what they call it, Noble Drew. My grandmother lived in Noble Drew um, in the 70s and early 80s, and Riddick Bowe lived upstairs for me. Tyson, I, I'm from Atlantic Towers. Originally, I was born and raised in Atlantic Towers. And Tyson lived on Atlantic. Now, the thing is, Tyson, oh, they, they both older than me. But Tyson was used to run with the dude who used to babysit me named Money Russ. You feel me? So mm. it was it was a connection. And I, when I was up the hill, that's where Mike is from. When I was down the hill, that's where Riddick born. Like I said, Riddick born lived upstairs from us. I think we lived on four and he lived on six or something like that. You know what I mean? And did you know Mike when he was younger before he became Mike Tyson? Because like all these rumors, like he was terrorizing people. He was robbing people. Did you know about him? Did you hear about him? No, I, I didn't know. I didn't know him personally, but I had heard of him. And, uh, you know, there was times that people say, yo, here come Mike or you hear these rumors, you start running. But there was quite a few dudes back then that was, uh, you know, that was thugging hard. So w- when he started popping off, you know, in, in, in the late 80s, 
Uh, and then it, obviously in the 90s, and you're a younger dude in Brownsville, and you're seeing him do his thing and be go to, you know, from, from out of nowhere to become one of the biggest, you know, stars in the world, like beyond boxing. Like, is this, is this something that's inspiring you? Because when did you start boxing? I started boxing like 88. But um, he was, he was, you know, really, actually, I started boxing like 86 in the neighborhood, just as far as like on the basketball court. You know what I mean? We had bought some gloves out. And we was just, you know, having fun in the back, you know, in the back of the building on the on the, on the basketball court. Everybody was just fighting. But then, like, like two years later in high school is when I, I kind of, like, fell into it to a, to a bet, a friend. But uh, I was watching, Mike, again, from, like, 86, 87. I was, you know, was a, I, was, uh, I, I was in love with the sport. I was watching all the time. But I didn't get into it until, like, 88, 89. And, then, and even then, I got into it. I went to a gym, but I didn't fall into it really seriously until 92, Michael. And uh, where I, when I went to the, uh, when I was on the Olympic team. And what do you remember about that experience? Like, like the Olympics is, you know, it's such a, a once in a lifetime thing. You get to travel, you get to do all this stuff. What do you remember about that experience being in the Olympics? Oh uh, man, that was everything for me, Mike. Because you know, at the time I was homeless. Um, you know, my mom was my mom was um, was strung out on drugs. My dad was in, my stepdad who raised me. He was in prison. Um, he was on a run, I think, or something like that. I'm not sure if he had got caught yet, but um, it was like a real hard time for me. So, you know, again, boxing saved my life. It got me off the street. Uh, again, I was like, you know, just I was just out there, man. I was falling into bad. I was just looking. I, I I was just looking for a way, and luckily, boxing was my way. I got back into it. I had discovered it in like again, '86, '87, '88. I went to a gym, and like '92, '91, '92, I was like, yo, you know what? It's this or jail, this or death. I was like, yo, let me just give it a shot. And I was really, I was always pretty good at it, but I didn't have no stability because I didn't really have no crib. You feel me? I was living everywhere. I was in the city. I was everywhere, man. I could have sworn I'd seen you mad times, Mike. <laughs> yeah, you, you definitely, definitely. I'm, I think I'm one yeah. year older than you. I was, I was the white dude, you know, where there wasn't that many white dudes. And, you know, and. Yeah, I'm telling you, I, <laughs> I seen you. I, I used to watch all your movies and be like, yo, I know this dude. I know this dude, man. It's crazy. Yo, did you ever spar with Ike? Did you ever fight Mike Tyson? Uh, you know what? Like Mike was before he, and then Mike had some troubles. When when Mike when um when I was really taking off in the early nineties, Mike had you know caught his charge, went away, and then um and then uh, when he came out, there was talks of us fighting a few times, but you know he was looking for going a different route, getting to get him some wins before um you know before a big fight, and I kind of wasn't on. I was I wasn't. As far as my style, I was going to box him. I had four foremen. I had box foremen. People had seen at that point that I, I, that I could box. Because until that point, everyone had just seen me going forward in fights, going forward. Mm -hmm. So when I, once I fought foreman, and I, they was like, damn, you, he could box. So you never knew what type of Shannon Briggs was going to show up or what type of Shannon Briggs was going to fight. You feel me? So all the things, like, I mean, it's so historically, boxers have had struggles. Obviously, we're just talking about Mike. We're talking about Riddick. You know, I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. What is it about the sport of boxing that sort of eats up, forget the in-the-ring stuff, just the out-of-the-ring and the finances and everything that you hear about, you know, whether it's, you know, I mean, there's so many. What is it about the sport of boxing that is so sort of against the fighters, you know, after they're fighting? I mean, it's just, you know, Mike, this, this life, you know, the fight life is, uh, like, from its origins, man, you know what I'm saying? I, I mean, I'm going back to ancient Africa, ancient Egypt, ain't, you know, ancient times. I'm sure it's always been rough to for fighters, man. If that's what you are, warrior. I mean, after, after the show, 
You know, it's the after party. If you lose, you ain't, you ain't down for the after party. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, so it's just been always from the beginning of time, the warrior is the warrior. We, we carry that. And that's it. We, 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 we are fight dogs. We, we live that life we, until, until it's over. You know, you take them out the pasture. That's who we are. So times are changing. Like Mike, I've heard Mike Tyson say, um, today's fighters are more like businessmen than they are fighters. You feel me? Um, but, you know, these times have changed. And, 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 you know, it's just life. But it's just a rough life. It's the fight life. If you don't have anything else to fall back on, then you wind up, um, you wind up falling into a situation where, you, you know, you're searching because we usually don't come from great backgrounds. We usually don't have, you know, education. I myself, I got my GED. Um, and then after that, I mean, I'm 46 years old. So what do you do afterwards? You know what I mean? You have to find your way and you have to hopefully have branded yourself or find something that you can, you know, get into afterwards. So a lot of people, uh, younger people who, who didn't have the pleasure of seeing you fight, uh, uh, discovered you uh, on Instagram. Your your videos are are inspiring. They're funny. They're outrageous. Talk to me uh, about like wh- where they started with the Let's Go Champ and, and who's reached out to you and like because you inspire me with them. Sometimes I'll be uh, feeling down you, and I'll either come across a, a, a Let's Go Champ video or I'll go right to one. I'm like I need to hear from the champ, <laughs> you know, like because because I get so hyped yeah. from it and and it's so genuine. So just specifically the Instagram, like where did it come from and like talk to me about some of the people that you've connected with just from the videos. All right, well, like, you know, like, what? Well, this is, uh, I'm 46 now. So I had, like, a nervous breakdown, Mike G. And, G, I had a nervous breakdown, like, I mean, seven, eight years ago, man. I was just really, you know, going through it, man. Life had beat me up. Boxing had took its toll on me. I took I took a toll on myself as far as, like, I had been drinking since I was, like, 13 years old. Champ, 13, 14. Mm-hmm. I was drinking, you know what I'm saying? Between fights, you know, after fights, all that. So, you know, and I wasn't a heavy drinker, like, alcoholic, but it was just something I would do. You know, I was a social drink. I was never a drink at home, but it was something that obviously was uh, spiraling me out of control. I was spending habits was bad. You know, I went from a kid who never had nothing from a young man who never had nothing to a young man who was making good money. I'm from New York. I'm from Brooklyn. Um, I had, you know, blonde dreadlocks. I was, you know, pretty well known in the town. So I was doing good for myself. So, um, you know, after years and years of struggle, ups and downs, it crashed on me. Um, I was prescribed. Uh, prescription drugs. I uh, ballooned up to like 400 pounds. You know what I'm saying? Damn. And then, um, yeah, I was doing real bad, man. And then, um, I was ready, you know, I was ready to hang it up, man. And then, um, fortunately a friend of mine came to me and was like, yo champ, won't you try some, um, some cannabis? And I was like, nah, you know, it's not my thing. And I never was a smoker cause I was always asthmatic. And then, um, he kept telling me, you know, actually he was my driver. He was, you know, he was, he, you know, he was like, he was a good dude. So he was like, you know, Chan, I think you should try this. You know, I see you're a good dude. You got to go hard, but you be drinking and, you know, you're taking those prescription drugs for depression and hey, look how big you are. I mean, you're a good dude. So somehow he, he wanted to believe in a joint in my crib, y'all. Don't ask me how. Hmm. This was like after this was after him, like six months of working with me. And one day I just, I, I was pissed because he had left it at my crib. And I told him I don't want that around my house, my family and shit. But so he had left it. Long story short, I lit it up. I sparked it. Changed my life, champ. I started crying. Um, I went in the house. I fell asleep. The next morning, I woke up. I cut my hair off. All my dreads. I had dreads for 29 years. I cut them off, champ. And then um, that was it. I started saying, let's go, champ, like two days later to motivate myself, man, to get myself going because I was down and out, man. It was just like I was at the end. And um, I wound up losing 160 pounds. I came back to boxing. I had 10 fights, and here I am today, still doing my thing, 
still feeling good, happy to be alive. And that's why I say let's go champ for, for more than one reason. But one of them is to self-motivate myself. My entourage was gone, fellas. I, my money was gone. You know, I had a fast rise. I was making bread in the 90s. I was doing my thing. And then, you know what I'm saying? After the bread was gone, the, the crew was gone. Everything was, you know, mm. not what it was. And then at that point, um, you know what I'm saying? Now, here I was myself. I had nobody around me to gas me. It was me saying, let's go champ, telling myself, you the champ. You feel me? So I like that, Shannon. I, I appreciate that. So in a philosophical way, the way you kick it, talk about the loneliness of being a champion. How, how sometimes, like, yo, it's just you. It's just you there. Like, it, it, it ain't easy being the champ. Nah. Kick that shit. Nah, it, it's real talk. It's like, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's a hard life, you feel me? To do this, to do this, and to, and to be a man. And that's what being a man is about. It ain't going to be easy, but I love it. You feel me? I ain't going to even front, Mike. I love it because, you know, I'm an only child. I grew up only only child. You know what I'm saying? My, my mom's raised me, you know, pretty much on all my step-pops was in and out of my life. I had it rough, man. I had it rough coming up. No brothers and sisters to, to fight for me. I had to be, I had to take care of myself. And I caught a lot of L's. You know what I'm I tell people all the time, I had 300 street fights. I lost 150. You mm -hmm. feel me? So I went hard. I had nobody to protect me. So when I say I'm the champ, it's not because of boxing. It's because of the things I've been through in life. Like I said, my mom's died on my birthday of a heroin overdose. My pops died in prison. I'm out here. You know what I'm saying? I got a family, three beautiful children by the same woman. I've been with her for 25 years. So it's like, you know what I'm saying? I feel good about it. That's what made me the champ. You feel me? I mean, I'm not rich. I'm well off. And I'm, and I'm surviving, man. But, I'm, but I'm, I feel good that I didn't kill myself, Mike. I, I wanted to you. hang it up. I wanted to hang it up. That's real you know, shit. I hang it up many times, but I kept telling myself, nah, champ, chill. Chill, champ, chill. You feel me? Yeah, absolutely. Chizzy, yo, Chizzy, we need you, Chizzy. Let's go, champ. Let's go, champ. Yo, I got a question. Would you get on some Brownsville street shit and take your talents to MMA? I'm too old, champ. I'm going to keep it real with you. You know what I'm saying? For, for MMA now, I'm going to keep it real. Like for boxing, I feel great, man. I'm going to keep it real all the way with y'all, man. Like for boxing, I'm only getting better, man. I'm in the mm -hmm. best shape of my life mentally because for the first time also, because of my new business, Champ Barrett, um, CBD, which is a CBD company, because of that, I'm not financially gripped to... And Mike, and, and back up a little bit. Answering your question earlier about the fight life. The fight life is a dog life. Is a fight like a, like a dog. You're a fight dog. You go to the fight. The, 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 he lets you go. You go in there and you fight in the cage. If you mm. make it out, they love you. Mm. They, pet, they pet you. If you lose, you ain't shit no more. You feel me? Mm. They might go for another dog. You catch another L. And you going down now, you out of here, champ. You feel mm -hmm. me? You a straight. You a straight dog. And I always been fighting, Mike. Let me just keep it. I'm going keep it all the way 100 with y'all. I always been fighting and, and being a fight dog, but I've been managing myself. I've been keeping myself alive by being Shannon Briggs, by saying Let's Go Champ, before I had Let's Go Champ, fighting to get in movies and trying to keep myself out there. That's been Shannon Briggs. That's who I am. That's why I say I'm the champ, because I go hard like I got a manager. I don't. Like I got a promoter. I don't. I'm my promoter. I'm self-promoted, champ. You feel me? I get out here and do my thing. I'm a New Yorker, just like y'all. Mm -hmm. Let's go, champ. Let's, Let's go, go, champ. Let's fucking go. Champ. Let's go, champ. Let's go, champ. <laughs> <laughs> let's go, go champ yeah <laughs> let's go champ Shannon alright before I let you go if I you know you, you're a student of the sport of boxing um, yeah if I said to you uh, somebody who's never watched boxing before and I said Shannon give this guy the five greatest fights which exemplify what boxing is all about 
Just, mm. I mean, you, there's there's so many. So, who, what would be Shannon Briggs' five greatest fights? Like, for for if you were explaining to somebody, this is what this sport is all about. What fights would you say? Mm, that off the top of my head, without even thinking about it, I have to say, uh, man, Cooney and Holmes. Why? Because the buildup. Think about it. White guy, black guy, or not two guys who love each other. Great guys. But the hype behind it, and and Cooney could fight. Mm. So it, you know what I'm saying. So it was it was it was a big event, and I say that for the. And when you say big fights, I say fights like that because those are big electric events. Unfortunately, it's black guy versus white. I don't get all that, but I'm talking about the mega event. Now, uh, now let's, let's think about this. Uh, Mayweather Pacquiao was a mega event, but it didn't pan out. No, nope. you feel me? No, nope. it didn't pan out. But yeah. imagine when you bring a mega event. You had a black guy version of. Uh, uh, um, a Philippine, was he from Thailand or Philippines? Uh, Philippines. Right. And you had a big, that was a big event. So again, when you bring those big events, that's to me, big fights. Ali versus uh, Sonny Liston, mm. a big event. Those events are what to me are, are mega fights. What did you think after all the hype hoopla of the McGregor uh, Mayweather fight? Speaking of big events, what, what did you think of that? Like, you know, now that we're like, you know, coming up on a year, uh, it's almost a year ago. What, what was your takeaway on that? I'm going to keep it 100 with you. Okay, let me keep it all the way. Listen, I'm going to keep it real. I think McGregor can fight. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I know people haven't agreed with me, but I think he can really fight. I was watching his boxing. He was relaxed. To me, that showed me something. That I mean, that he's, okay, I was thinking, okay, MMA, he was going to go in there throwing crazy punches or some bullshit. The boy was relaxed, y'all. He could box. And I think personally he was giving Mayweather trouble. That's just me. Now, people say, oh, no, nah, you bugging out. It was this. It was that. And I said, no, champ. I'm telling you, I, from a boxing standpoint, he was relaxed. I've seen frustration in Mayweather's face. That's from me. That's my standpoint. I've seen frustration. I usually read people well. I've seen the man frustrated. Let's go, champ. <laughs> in your day, you were a big heavyweight. But these guys That's now, really- they're on some 300-pound shit, 315 pounds, 290 pounds. Do you yeah. think that affects for the fans? Because as big as you were, what was in your prime? What was your fighting weight? Two twenty five, two thirty five, something like that. See, and even you, like Lennox, you guys were big. But then when you get into these, you know, the Klitschko eras and, and these yeah. seven foot dudes, to me, it, it takes away from the sport because it becomes like. Beyond something that we could even fathom, when it's two twenty five, <laughs> two thirty five, you know it's big right. guys, but it's it, they feel like real people. When it gets into this giant jumbo heavyweight fighters, I don't like it, and you you know it, it's exciting at times, but the um, the craftsmanship seems to be gone because they're just flailing away at each other. What do you think yeah, of the it? Skill, the skill level, the skill, I agree that the skill level has dropped tremendously, and you see a lot of uh, like you said with big with big guys, you see a lot of. Uh, you lose the technique. You lose the technique. The skill level drop down. And I agree. I mean, but you know, I mean, I was saying that to say earlier, man. Listen, I still got it, y'all. I'm gonna keep it real with y'all. Listen, I don't have to do it no more. Thanks to my uh, my my business is doing well, champ. You guys check out the stock CXBS on off market. Check it out, OTC. Let's go, champ. But um, mm-hmm. on, on, on another note, I'm doing well, but I still got it, y'all. I'm still knocking out these young boys, man. Oh, oh we're- <laughs> Are you 46 years old. Would you fight again? Are you interested in fighting again? Yes, brother. Yes. Yes. And yes, what, indeed, what has to take place for you to get a fight that you'd want to do? Well, um, no, nah, I'm just going, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm going to be fighting in June. I'm, I'm, I'm getting in shape again. Um, 
you know, I fill my own boat. I don't have any investors, nothing like that, no managers, no promoters. So I'm doing my own thing. I'm going to stay busy. I'm going to fight my way back in shape as I should. You know, there's no reason to jump out there for a financial risk to make a payday. I'm doing well with my company. So I'm going to have a few fights to fight my way back in shape. And um, with the blessing of the Internet and thanks to social media and guys like you, and I thank you both for having me on the show, um, things like this allows me to be independent stay fighting, stay busy, and have fun at the same time and not get hurt. And it'll keep you in shape, guys. Hopefully, I can have you guys come on and commentate. Yo. That's, yo, yo bring champ, that crown. Champ. Bring that crown back to Brownsville, man. Yo. <laughs> yo, whatever you need, I'm there, man. If I can make thank it, I'm there. Champ. I'll be down there. I'll walk you in the ring. We could talk. Yo, whatever you need, I'm there. Uh, thank you, brother. I'm, I got a big... I'm working on something big, man. I'm talking to Facebook right now. They called me. They approached me about streaming my fights and stuff like that. So... Big things is coming from the chat. All right, Shan, I'm going to let you go. I appreciate you taking the time. And, uh, yo, keep keep doing your thing personally. Keep sending out the love and the inspiration out to the world because I know I love it. I need it. It gets me through, uh, uh, you know, when, when I'm feeling my back up against the world. I just, I just go, let's go, champ. Let's, let's go, champ. Let's go, Chizzy. That's right. That's right. Let's go, champ. Thank you guys for having me on. I really appreciate you. It really means a lot to me, man. Let's go, champ. Let's go, champ. Yes, sir. I'll talk to you soon, Chizzy. All right, brother. Let's go, champ. Peace. All right, bro. All right, champ. Did I tell you? Okay, champs talk to champs. That's what the fuck this is about, okay? You are now rocking with the best. This is the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. We're fact-checking. Is shunned upon. Yeah, no fact-checking, and we are number one in sports and recreation. And the beauty of, of, of the Joey Coco Diaz podcast is we didn't even talk about sports. We, we, we did a little basketball talk at the end. We're fucking... We're, we're the number one podcast in the sports and recreation thing. And, and when we don't even have sports as our main topic. Yeah. I think that iTunes needs to create a shit-talking category. They have every other kind of category. They have arts. They have leisure. They have science. They have politics. They have sports. They have comedy. I want them to create the shit-talking category. Okay, That's where we need to live because we just do yeah. eclectic shit-talking. That's yeah. what this podcast is. This isn't a, a sports podcast. This right. isn't a, 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 a political podcast. This isn't just it's, a comedy podcast. It's an eclectic shit-talking podcast. Yeah, it's everything. <laughs> it's everything. And we're number one on everybody's fucking list. So that's where we're supposed to be. Now let's get this shit popping. Now, I just want to start it off like this. Miles, Jordan, give me that Willie Hutch. There it is. You know when that Willie comes in, something good's about to happen. Somebody done did something. <laughs> so the other day, I had been coming home from a day of work on uh, uh, the show Atypical. We're shooting season two right now. I had been working hard all day. And I, and I go online, and the flares had been shot up in the air. A lot of people say, yo, rap, yo, rap, you got to see this, you got to see this. It turns out some little 21-year-old buck-tooth funny-face rapping kid named Little Zan 
and I think his name is a little little Xan, short for little Xanax. I'm not sure. We don't fact check. Why would I fact check? This little fuck, this little yeah. buck tooth rabbit face, Tom and Jerry looking motherfucker, came out and said some real dumb shit. This little tattooed face, no talent. Okay, the only reason why money people know him is because he's like funny face and he got tattoos on his grill. I don't care that you're 21. That's the first thing I want to say before I go in on money as you hear that Willie Hutch. I don't care that you're 21. And like, oh, yeah. these are kids, Mike Rap. You are old man. Yo, first of all, I'm not old. Second yeah. of all, just because you're 21 and I'm 47 doesn't mean that your opinion is better than mine. If anything, the youngsters need to listen to the older people. That's what I said. We don't acquiesce to them. Yo, acquiesce to some fucking guy named Little Zan? Your yeah, name is Little, little fucking Zan? They're little fucking junkies. That's all they are. They're, they're the millennials. These, these pill poppers and all these uh, Percocet. These, these are the uh, this generation's junkies. These are fucking junkies, man. Go ahead. Little Zan? And they're like, little junkie. He, he came out and said that Tupac's music isn't interesting. It wasn't interesting. It's boring music. Yeah. Let me tell you something. Whether you're a Tupac fan or not, one thing you can never say about Tupac is his music wasn't boring. He changed his shit, many styles, and all that. So so the last fucking adjective, verb, or adverb you could ever call Tupac is boring. Uh, Hell yeah. Is Tupac a a great representation of hip-hop? Absolutely. You can play him anywhere in the world and hear that music and be like, yo, that's hip-hop music. I'm that's tired of these little dumb motherfuckers being proud of being dumb motherfuckers. Yeah. 21. He's a man. Get get in this motherfucker. Get in his ass. I'm in no his Bruno. fucking ass, man. This little puppy water shooting motherfucker. You're not skeeting. You don't break dance. You don't do graffiti. You ain't rhyming. You ain't DJ. You have no, none, not one of the elements that Nothing. you could even consider calling yourself that has anything to do about hip-hop. Your opinion is invalid. Some people say, yeah. well, that's his opinion. He's entitled to his opinion. Yes, he that's is. true. And I'm entitled to my opinion about his dumb fucking opinion. You hear that? Word. You can have your opinion, and then the bullies come in and bully you, and we we tell you that your opinion is stupid. You're right, right. That, you did, that what you say means nothing. Talk about Tupac's music. Is uninteresting. It's boring. What the fuck is you talking about? Right. I don't give a fuck how many Instagram followers you have. I don't give a fuck that you did shows in Berlin. I don't give a fuck that you have little chains that spin yeah. around. They have slow jams about taking drugs, about sipping syrup. That's like a slow jam to them. Yeah, cough syrup is, is, is their dream. Uh, drinking uh, untold amounts of cough syrup. Money, your opinion is null and void. You don't know what the Word. fuck you talking about. You don't Word. know what the fuck you talking about. I'm tired of these dudes. Like, they take pride. Yo, I never, I never listened to a Biggie record. Yo, I never listened to a Wu-Tang record. And the fact that you you have the balls. Right. And that you're so dumb that you think you could get away and say that is, is astonishing to me. That's like Derek Jeter saying some crazy shit like, oh, I, I never heard of Babe Ruth. I, I never. Right. You sound dumb. Why is yeah. this acceptable in hip-hop? I don't give a fuck if I'm 48, 98. 
Like trying to like, right. oh, you, you, these are the kids. That don't make them dope. Yo, none of that shit that's coming from these pill-popping face tattoos. They like, yo, they, they can't break dance. They can't rhyme. They're like, yo, I got a face tattoo. That makes you hip-hop. You're not hip-hop, Duke. Yo. You're going to regret that fucking scribble-scrabble. You need to find the tattoo artist that did that dumb shit to your grill and sue him. The word. Because you look fucking well, yo. crazy, Duke. <laughs> Little Xan. The fuck out of here. I'm tired of these motherfuckers doing this shit, man. Yeah. You're not going to diss the art form and get away with it. Nah, you're not going to do it because I'm going to go on my Instagram and I'm pissing on you. I don't give a fuck how old you are and how old Word. I am. Oh, he's a kid. Then Have he needs respect. to be told. you stupid, Have dude. respect. Have respect for the elders who created this music. We like. Even Tupac is our contemporary, whatever. He's our age. But, yo, you're not going to diss the great. Sorry. Had to get that off my chest. I had a lot of people hit me up like, yo, you got to get him. You got to get him. And I was tired. Yeah. And then I looked on. I was like, I, I, I got to get him. Yeah. I got to get him. Not on my fucking watch. Okay. It's, it's up to us, man. It's up to us to do it. The, old, the, the older cats, yo, we put these motherfuckers in check. Just like how it was when I came up. Exactly. You can't be, you can't be running off at the mouth to the elders. Yo, shut the fuck up, man. <laughs> yo, money, shut the fuck up, dude. That's it. That's what you say. <laughs> Clean my motherfucking car, Duke. Fuck is you talking about? Word. Yo, I had heard about this when it was going on. Chevy Chase, you know, he was on that show, uh, obviously Saturday Night Live and the Vacation movies. But uh, yeah. when he was on that show... Um, oh, what's that? With uh, Donald Glover and these Yeah, Community. I yeah. had heard about this. Because I, I had a friend on that show. That Chevy Chase would be walking around saying wild shit, wild racial shit, like crazy shit, right in people's face. Donald Glover. Oh, uh, damn, what? I had heard about this. I'm never on the show, but like it was like a known thing. Like, yo, he's up here saying crazy shit, and no one checked him. See, that's the problem right there. So if he's saying that to you and nobody's checking him, then the problem isn't Chevy Chase. The problem is you because you are allowing that to go on. And now you're going to cry. But Chevy Chase said that shit to your face, yo. You a sucker. Mm. Mm. Childish That's Gambino it. is a sucker? Is that what you're saying? Yo, if Chevy Chase is on some racial shit right in the open in front of people. Yeah, he was saying that, wild shit right in people's grill. And if you're hearing it as a rumor and shit like that and it's out, that means everyone knows. So what's, what's up with the black people on the set? Y'all scared? You're going to go to Variety, the magazine, and say, oh, he said this? When you could have said, yo, what the fuck you talking about? Mm. Yo, let's go to the trailer. Let's go behind the trailer. Let's mm. see what's good. Let's see what's Gucci. Yeah. So I don't want to hear that shit now. Um, somebody on Instagram, actually on Twitter, a fan uh, sent me this, said that, uh, showed me this, um, and, and this guy wrote this article. Uh, he, he, he wonders why after he and his lady... Uh, you know, they, they they freak off. She'd be laying in the bed with money, masturbating. This is in like a, an actual publication, The Guardian. And oh. somebody said, oh, that's if your fuck style is in Buckwall. And to the person who out there who sent that to me, I appreciate you sending me the article. But I, I want to tell you something. Now, I, I have had this happen throughout my career. I, obviously, I'm a married man, so I'm not, I'm not doing all that wild shit. But, yo, sometimes you could do some of your best fucking... You know, <laughs> you could do so. And, and sometimes like 
They mean unsatisfiable. So this yeah. dude was ashamed. He's like, yo, she's masturbating. You know, I'm not able to skeet. I put in my best work. I want to tell money, yo, your girl's wild. Your girl is wild, Duke. Like, yo, don't feel bad about yourself. Like, yo, you put it down. You skeeted. She skeeted. She wants to keep fucking. Sometimes too much fucking is not good. You can, and, and, when, and when you're older, like when you get in your 40s, like, yo, I don't have anything to prove. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not skeeting for three hours. We're we not doing this all night. Nah. Like, I'm trying to go to sleep. I want to watch like, the Housewives. I want to watch the highlights. We got a podcast to record. I'm not trying to fuck <laughs> all night. Well, like you're in college, maybe you're down with that. You know, 20s, 30s. But at a certain point, like, yo, I did my work. Yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Calipari type of guy. I'm one and done. <laughs> That's it. Like, I don't got all that energy for that. But if she's masturbating, that means you didn't do your job and she didn't, she didn't go over the cliff. So no, she has to no, do No, she he was saying she she did go over the cliff, but she just wanted to keep going. I'm like, yo. Oh, how young? How old? I don't know. Make the details of all this stuff. I'm just saying I want to tell money to hold his head and not feel bad about himself. Like, yo, your your girl, she might be unsatisfiable. Like, you oh. know, like I, I don't want money to feel bad, like his fuck style isn't buckwall. I don't know if it is or it isn't. Who am I to judge? Right, right. I'm just but saying think- it's not it's not black and white. It's a very yeah. gray situation. So I wanted to tell my man to hold his head and, yeah. and you know, he, he might have to go because what he's going to wind up doing, he's going to wind up being with another woman because he's going to be like, oh, well, Jane Doe, she's not really feeling how I get down. You know, yeah. she's not making me feel like I fulfilled it. So he's going to wind up getting another chick on the side and, and hopefully laying that wood real nice, real hey. proper. And he's going to want to, you know, feel validated just like a woman wants to feel validated by, by her man feeling good. Money's yeah. going to wind up, you know, he's going to wind up at the telly and doing something off on the side, and then it's gonna the relationship's going to go down. I just tell money, end it now while, while, you know, get all your chips on the table and just be done with it. Right, right. Because uh, nothing's worse than her wanting to go on and you not wanting to go on. So you look like... Oh, this is a cornball. I need a, a a younger motherfucker. Something. Something. <laughs> you just might not have it in the clip for, you know what I mean? Word. Um a high school basketball team beat the dog snat out of another high school basketball team 93 to 7. Woo! We I, we beat a team like that when I was growing up. It's stupid. You know, the team obviously sucks. They don't have any good yeah. players. 93 to seven, and, and yeah. then they put out a public apology. This is the problem. Yo, your team ain't shit. You can only score seven points. Yeah. You don't have to apologize about this. 93 to seven, yo, you, you guys ain't shit. Shut the program down. Yeah. Yeah, you don't need to be playing ball if you get blown out like that. You ain't got a team. And they always say, oh, well... This is just a teaching moment for the yeah, kids. Yeah, it's a teaching moment. And when you kick some ass, you don't have to apologize. We beat your ass 93 to 7. Your whole crew is trash. Yeah. Obviously. Shit, I'll be fouling motherfuckers. I, I, the whole team, we fouled out. If I was the coach, I'd be like, yo, we down by 50. Yo, let's everybody foul out. Let's, let's, let's call it a fucking game. Yeah, at least get some hard fouls and go down with some dignity. Yeah. You're getting these half-ass apologies and, oh, sorry about that. Nah, nah. We, not, we don't want your apology. You're not going right. to rook us, okay? And do they get a participation trophy? 
Of course they do. Everybody gets one now. <laughs> Losing is acceptable. This continues to come up uh, in the last two weeks since the NBA All-Star break. Um, it happened with DeMar DeRozan, and then Kevin Love spoke up about uh, uh, mental health awareness in the NBA. Um, I like this player, uh, Kelly Oubre, uh, Washington Wizards. He came out and spoke on it uh, the other day. He said, you know, deep down, I'm going through a lot. Uh, you know, he, he suffered with mental health issues. And, and I think this is fantastic uh, because, you know, we see these kids, um, specifically in basketball, we see them, they're 23, 24. We, you know, they're in tank tops. They look big and strong, um, and, and, and they look like they're having a good time, um, and they're suffering. And, and right. obviously, uh, we had uh, uh, Royce White on the podcast, and he talked all about this. And uh, I, I'm going to keep bringing it up because it keeps coming out. Um, and I, and I, and I want to commend Ubre. I want to commend Kevin Love, who, who said, you know, in, in an interview that he, he had a nervous breakdown during a game. It doesn't mean you're soft. It doesn't mean you're scared. It doesn't mean anything. Yo, mental health issues have nothing to do with uh, uh, you being tough or not tough or strong yeah. or not strong. Um, and it's a real thing. Uh, Brandon Marshall of the New York Giants, you know, who's also been in the podcast talking about it. And, you know, people suffer, man. People suffer. Hell people yeah. suffer from depression. People suffer from loneliness, fear, all these things. And just because we see these guys dunking and, and, and shooting and all that stuff, it, it doesn't mean that they're exempt from these things. So I commend all these, these young dudes. Um, and, I, and I think that uh, I'm proud that we had Royce White on the podcast. He's going to come back on and talk about it more because, yo, he talked about this and nobody was listening and, and he was completely ousted from the NBA. And it's a goddamn shame that he was truly a, a sacrificial lamb in, in all this. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad it came out. And uh, I hope you know, those guys get the help they need. And that's all you could say. NFL Combine, you talk about sports. NFL Combine, it's an uproar that certain teams are asking uh, inappropriate questions to the uh, participants at the Combine. And one of the questions from one of the teams was like, do you like men? Huh. Is your mom a hoe? They're what asking that the, to, the players this? Yes. What does that have to do with me setting the edge? What does <laughs> that have to do with the game of football? What does that have to do with me catching a dig route that my moms may be hoeing? <laughs> yeah, to be honest with you, she's fucking <laughs> hoeing. So what? Throw me the fucking ball. If I can catch the fucking ball, I can catch the fucking ball. My mom, so what? She has an affinity for crack. You know, she likes those, those gray skies. Big fucking deal. You want to see know. me run a uh, stop and go? I'm brilliant at it. Exactly. I can't help the fact that my mom, listen, you know, you, you might catch her on a good night. You could get a $25 uh, slob, uh, uh, <laughs> like, like some, some skull. That doesn't, <laughs> mean, that doesn't mean I can't counteract the blitz when I'm in the backfield. I read that. I, I was uh, uh, astonished. I was uh, appalled. I was like, damn, yo, I guess they're trying to see what kind of reaction. But, yo, ask football questions. You know, like this personal shit, that, that, that's crazy, man. Um, the Kansas City Royals, uh, uh, the baseball team in spring training in baseball, you know that we don't, we don't really care too much about baseball here at the I Am Rap Stereo Podcast. 
Shout out to my man Joey Batista. I want to get him on the podcast, but talking to him, Joey Bats. Oh. Um, they had a meeting. This is where we are in the country. They had a meeting, a team meeting, uh, focused on anti-pornography for players and the coaches at spring training because, uh, you know, porn addiction is real. You know, some people suffer from porn addiction, like that girl that we mentioned earlier that this dude was saying he couldn't he couldn't satisfy his 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 wife or his girlfriend. She might have a porn addiction because that's what happens. You get desensitized to real skeeting and, and nothing you can do uh, can satisfy her. That's what happens oh. when you when you when you watch that those no nos too much. It can right, fuck your right. mind up, your mind chemistry and your sexual mind chemistry. And next thing you know, it don't matter yeah. what's in front of you, you can't. It might it might feel like you're satisfying, uh, but it doesn't happen. But the Kansas City Royals took matters into their own hand. They don't want their players having porn addiction, and they had a, a very open forum with the players and the coaches. Shout out to the Kansas City Royals. But how is this getting out there? That there's a problem with cats watching porn, dude. Who's squealing, Duke? You 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 asking me like like I know, Duke. I, I don't you, fact you t- check. I'm just reporting the motherfucking information. You told the story, motherfucker. You got some background on it. I, I got <laughs> nothing for you, Duke. Uh, all right. <laughs> um, you Terry Crews. Um, yes. the actor who yes. uh, uh one of the one of the male faces. Of the Me Too movement? Yes. Uh, we called him Dice Dick about three years ago on the I Am Rapport Stereo podcast. He's been very open and very honest yep. about being what he says is sexually molested and fondled by his agent. Jesus Christ. Well, they took this case to the Los Angeles County District Attorney. And because it happened um, in 2016, no charges could be uh, pressed against uh, this agent. Right, they said that the out. statue of limitation is passed, and and I don't I don't know how this is a that that's it, <laughs> that's it. Sometimes you you know uh, the that's it. They go in there, they hit the gavel, like there's no case. Get the there's fuck no out of here. Yeah, and uh, well that tells motherfuckers you got to handle your business on in real time. You shouldn't have waited a year. You should have handled your business right there in front of all those witnesses. That's what I that was my opinion. Nobody could get next to my sack. I tell you that nobody could get next to my sack and grab me in front of everybody. And I'm not going to check homeboy right there. Mm. Mm. I ain't going to no cop. I'm mm. going to the guy who did it. Mm. Um, I wanted to ask your opinion about this because um, I haven't been smoking a lot of weed lately. But the first time I ever smoked weed alone by myself. Now, I had smoked weed a little bit in my 20s, but but not much. But the very first time I ever smoked weed alone was uh, after about, I'd say, nine months after my first son was born. Like, having a newborn baby can be so stressful. You know, it could be stressful, obviously, on the woman. It could be stressful on on both the parents. Uh, Obviously, uh, a woman, you know, might take the brunt of it because of the physical changes and all that stuff. But I needed to smoke some weed to sort of decompress because, you know, the, the amount of uh, sleep deprivation you have when you're, you're, you're a new parent, to me, that's the hardest thing. And just the chaos that ensues because, you know, having a, a brand new child, a young child, like your life, it, it's never the same. And when you have a yeah. baby, you know, the yeah. amount of care and need and the hours and just 
the yes, time yes. that puts it, it's, the wear and tear, it's like running a marathon for like the first yeah. two years. Like, you know, I would go in my car and nap. You know what I mean? Like if I, if I was out, I'd be like, fuck it. I don't want to go home because the baby's going to be like, I'll just stay in my car for the half right. hour, go to a meeting and then come back home. Uh, but I started smoking weed, uh, you know, when, when, when my kid was, you know, young, my first son. And they're saying that uh, weed does in fact and can make you if you, you don't, you know, OD and turn into like, you know, Spicoli from Fast Times at Ridgemont High could in fact make you a better parent. And I have to say, I agree. And I, I wanted to see what you uh, had to say about this, Mr. Moody. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. But that's if you have a, 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 a crier. Fortunately for me, my daughter Imani was the best thing, was pleasant, no crying, no nothing at all. But that's, you know, you're lucky with that. But if you have a crier, oh. we, I, I would imagine weed would be a great sedative to get you straight to deal with that. I, I, so I could understand that. And I think that any young parents out there, uh, not only should you be uh, uh, dibbling and dabbling with the weed, get yourself a nice pair of noise-canceling headphones. Because let me tell you something. You can be president and take care of your baby, but the sound of that cry, it can make you yeah. fucking nuts. It, like, it can make you cockeyed. You know what I mean? It could really do a number on you. You know what I mean? So uh, that's the two things that I suggest. Get yourself some edibles and some noise-canceling headphones. Damn right. <laughs> um, and which brings me to another story. Um, this father, he's been all over the news. The kid's acting up, having trouble in school, not listening to his mom, not listening to his dad. You know, I think he was bullying some kids. The father used to, you know, drive him to school. So for a week... While the father was, you know, you know, driving behind him, you know, small, and we're not on, like talking on the, the highway, we're talking about like in a very, you know, very suburban area. He made Shorty, who was 10 years old, run to school, jog to school a mile while the father looked on to teach him a lesson. Yeah, I saw that. I like that. I, I like it too. I have no problem with this. People are outraged or saying it's, it, first of all, it's a mile. Which, you know, we all know that a mile is not that long. For a kid, it's probably 20 minutes. And if yeah. the kid's acting like an asshole, I could have afforded to be put through some of this stuff. Now, you might not have the gringo man dingo that you have today. You might not have the manifester of disruptive behavior that you have today. Okay? <laughs> right. But this kid's probably not going to have, uh, you know, any problems going forward. Yeah, yeah. You have to, uh, as a parent, you got to take shit head on and you got to, he wilding, so you got to come up with punishment. And it's my kid. I put this cat on the earth. Uh, outside of anything fucking uh, crazy, you know, we're going to give him a punishment to, to try to teach him, you know, teach him the right way through, through, uh, through the punishment. I, I, I understand that. I agree with that. All right. And finally, in Florida, now again, I hate to reference uh, my infamous coyote sighting where I saw the cat. I hate to reference sometimes I've seen uh, wild animals. Uh, there is a rabid coyote uh, on the loose in Yonkers, New York, which is just a uh, hop, skip, and a jump away from uh, where G. Moody lives in the Bronx. Yeah. A woman in Florida was attacked by a wild otter. 77-year-old woman. She uh, uh, was uh, by, the, by the lake. The fucking otter. Came out, tried to jump the woman, and then ran back into the, the lake or the ravine and all this shit. This is why I don't fuck 
with wild animals. This is why I don't play with the coyotes. I don't play with the deer. I don't play with the bear. I don't play with the frogs, the lizards, the snakes. None of that shit. Oh. None of it. I hear you, man. I hear you. This woman's uh, out there minding her business on her canoe, and an otter, you know, fucking jumps her. She had to go to the hospital, almost bit her fucking nose off. Can you imagine if that's your grandmother? I'll say, I'll say, Grandma, you, you you can't be out in their territory. You in their territory. You, you it, it, the, things can happen when you start to encroach on their territory. Nice word, <laughs> nice word. But rap before we go, you got to hear this because we always talked about this. Uh, Netflix, did you know Netflix is coming out with a racial Dozel documentary? Yes, the racial divide, top hats and white gloves. <laughs> She's probably, you know, griping about Walmart locking up all the black hair care products. You know, she's trying to do finger waves. So I imagine that that's probably the gripe in the did, documentary. Did this is going to be some of the things in the Rachel Dolezal Netflix documentary? Yeah, she's upset that Walmart has been locking up the black hair care products uh, to deal with uh, theft. Well, but she's... She's protesting it. She wants to start her finger waves and she can't get the Dax grease and all that stuff. She, uh, hopefully when this documentary comes out, we could have her on the Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast because a movie that I'm very excited about and I just found out we're going to get to interview her. It's called Roxanne Roxanne. The Roxanne Shantae story uh, is coming to Netflix. Shani's coming on? Yo, (laughs) Roxanne Shantae is coming on the Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast. Oh, oh, man. I'm in there. I'm in for that one, dude. Yo, yo, I was thinking about it. When Roxanne Shantae first came out, remember how 14. hyped it was? She was 14 rocking. And her and Bismarcky and the, and, the, and the response to the UTFO record, Roxanne, Roxanne, and she yep. came out, she had like, the, her, her voice was so New York. Yeah, yeah. So she's coming yeah. on the I Am Rapport Stereo podcast uh, later this month. Uh, Mahersha Ali, Nia Long, they are starring in... Get the fuck out of yeah, here. Yeah, Roxanne, Roxanne, it's done. It's coming out like in a couple of weeks. So Roxanne Shantae, I reached out. I was like, yo, please, because that song and that time, you know, I know how much it means uh, to you, Moody. I, it means so much to me. And Roxanne Shantae, like she went on to become, you know, to get a doctorate and, and, and all this stuff. And, you know, she's... I just want to talk to her about what was going on in Queensbridge Project with uh, Marley Mall and those dudes and, you know, the Female. Juice Crew. So I, I want to talk like how she met Bismarcky, like Kane. Like this is like a, a pivotal moment, literally like a true pivotal moment. Uh, uh, Roxanne Shantae, everything she brought to hip hop. So she's coming on the Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast. Listen, we're done. Okay, we're done. I want to thank Shannon the Cannon Briggs for rocking with us on the Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast. Atlantic Towers, Brownsville, what's good? We bully the bullies, okay? We're not playing games, okay? This is Grown Man Podcast. And while you're going through your little hormonal changes and all that shit with your little rinky-dinky bullshit, subscribe, unsubscribe, send your little corny-ass stoolies. They gotta do that. They gotta do that. We still beating you. We still skeeting. See, I am Rapport Stereo Podcast. Thank you to Shannon the Cannon, Miles Jordan, the best producers in the business, and of course, the three-time podcast co-host of the year, G. Moody, whose last name just happens to rhyme with duty. Take us out of here with something real funky, something real proper, something real nice. I'm out. Peace.